Thank you all for once again joining us here on the Four Glory Podcast, and thank you for your patience in waiting an extra week. We have been plagued with technical difficulties over the past few weeks, but I think we've finally got it under control. Now, I know the holiday season can be tough, or great, depending on your family or those that you choose to spend this time with, but this year, regardless of anything else, be sure to tell the ones that you love that you love them and make the best out of what you do have. CJ, Dio, Greg, and John, I wanted to thank you guys for spending part of this chaotic time with me. You guys are like a second family to me. And in honor of that sentiment, I thought I would put together a little poem for you guys. Before you turn this off, just listen. It's quick, and I think it's kind of funny. "'Twas the week before Christmas, when all through gauntlet, not a creature was stirring, Except for the mites, the maggots were fed by the mitflits with care, in hopes that Boss Scrong soon would be there. The gremlins were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of conquest still danced in their heads. And Pinchy, the scorpion, and I in my cap had just settled down for our long winter's nap. When out in the swamp there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the arrow slid I flew like a flash, to see three adventurers cross our moat with a splash. The blue light in the sky had pierced through the fog, and gave the luster of midday to objects in the bog. When what to my wandering eye should appear? A gigantic fly, a gremlin, and a kegful of beer. He'd come back from his mission, so handsome and strong, I knew in that moment it must be Boss Scrong. More rapid than an eagle his monstrous fly came, and he whistled and shouted, and called us by name. Now Glimkus, now Plurnth, now Fnurg and Glurnixen. Come Gristle, come Blubus, come Snurg and Mixblissen. To the top of the roof, through the broken great hall, Boscrong called his mitflits to drink, one and all. As bloodthirsty leeches to a man's thighs swarm, when submerged in water that's murky and warm, so up to the rooftop the gremlins did hustle, to see their boss wrong with his big beard and great muscle. And then, in a twinkling, I heard in the ruin the plotting and schemes that boss Scrong had been brewing. Boys, have I got a plan that will turn things around. I'll fly in on Buzzbuzz, giving gifts in that town. He was dressed all in fur, from his head to his shoes. His clothes were all filthy with mud and swamp goo. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, but the sack stuffed with gifts couldn't hide his butt crack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his teeth, how scary. His ears big and pointy, and his nose, a blueberry. His draw little mouth was drawn with great might, and the beard on his chin was black as midnight. With bits of old mushroom stuck in his teeth, his beard full of twigs and some bugs underneath, he had a broad face and a big great round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old fay. I swooned when I saw him, in a reverent way, a wink of his eye and a twist of his head. We drank to old Gurk, or to that he was dead. We drank all the beer. He went straight to his work. He gave gifts to us all and stopped being a jerk. His plot to give gifts made no sense to me at all, but his plans are so big in my brain, it's so small. He hopped on his fly, to his team gave a whistle, and away Boss Scrong flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, for he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all.
and to all a good night. All right, thank you for humoring me and listening to that. Or if you skipped through it, yeah, you know, whatever, that's fine, that's fine. I, I won't hold it against you. But I think I've taken up enough time, so we're going to kick it off right away with episode 18, The Crow's Casket. Last time on the Four Glory Podcast. I wish we could have met under better circumstances, but hello, my name's Rowan. She's too small. She can't do it on her own. You aren't the only ones that have had to deal with this. I reckon you might need something stronger than some coffee. Well, time for rest and uh, another full day of tragedy tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be a lot easier to do if this thing wasn't fucking on fire. So here I am, buck naked in the chicken coop. Ah, finally, a man of intellect. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually been a pretty amazing day for Rowan. From that light, it seemed the undead were spawned, and then the aberration was teleported down upon us. I've waited a lot longer for a lot less. You just happened to show up in Otari, armed, and helped to fight back the undead? Wait, everything up there is dead. Please don't judge me too much. This is my first time drinking. Your story continues now. begin this week's episode with the sounds of birds singing to the sun as it ascends from beyond the horizon to find its seat in the sky. The camera tilts down from the idyllic sunrise to reveal Gwillem standing in the doorframe of his seaside bungalow, coffee mug in hand. The camera then tracks backwards as the scene expands to show Borwin sleeping awkwardly on the steps to this house then further back to include Rowan, face down in the dirt, arms resting at his sides. We see Gwillem give a nod to someone off-camera to his right. The camera arcs to the left, and we see V and Henry standing, silently, trying to decide whether or not to wake them. Good morning, V. I trust you slept well. Better than these two, I'm sure. <laughs> he just kind of, about to speak, just kind of looks down <laughs> at the snoring. <laughs> well, which one, whichever one that was, just. Uh, I, I had, to, I, had some, I have some recorded <laughs> snores, but I don't think it was caught due to the noise canceling. <laughs> uh, definitely better than these two. She'll uh, go up to, closer to the door. So, what seems to be on the agenda for today? Uh, she moves her hand over towards Henry, where there is a stretcher t- strapped onto his back. We still have to go get Jack. Well, I approached you all about this earlier. I'm not sure how you would all like to be dealt with if you happen to expire whilst on our expedition. Uh, she kind of just looks down 
thinking. Uh, I... I will have to get back to you on that. That's not something I've thought much of, but I suppose now it's... It warrants more thoughts. You'd be surprised how many people, even when on death's door, put off such decisions. I urge you to think it over, neither lightly nor slowly. Well, Rupert, shall we wake up these two sorry sons of liches? <laughs> and Rupert will fly over and start splashing water onto the faces of Borwin and Rowan. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm up, I'm up. Ugh. Why? Why does my mouth taste like I just had a... Everyone had a party and everyone just threw up? Well, boy, it's partially because you're lightweight, and mostly because you had a lot to drink. Uh, Orton wakes up as well, angry, uh, but not reacting uh, all that well to the water. <laughs> well, we should do that again sometime. That was fun. Well, I hate to be the bearer of some dire news, but I believe V is right and that we should go retrieve Jakarn's body from the top of the lighthouse. I should also relish the opportunity to give the lighthouse another look-see. I'd like to see if there's anything new or different about it after last night's happening. Boring hearing that, uh, going from a more stupefied face to a saddened expression, just nods and says, Agreed. Rowan stands on his feet a little shakily still trying to work off last night's shenanigans and he says well i don't really have much going on right now but you mind if i tag along with y'all if that's okay with you ah please do we could surely use another practiced sword hand you've shown that you could prove yourself as well right should we uh eat up first or just head on out Hmm. Well, V, you've been there before. Is there a chance we can grab a bite to eat at Jack's former place of employ? Oh, she grimaces at that. <laughs> <laughs> the last time she saw the proprietor of that establishment, she said, Hey, can I borrow you employee? And now he's dead. <laughs> so is that like a yes grimace or a no grimace? No, that was a bad grimace. <laughs> Wallace and grimace. <laughs> Uh, uh, I suppose she requires an explanation as to Jacques' whereabouts, and she might even know where his family is, so that we could at least return him to them. As a doctor, I will say, letting the next of kin, or employer in this case, know what happened to their loved one, or employee, is never easy. However, it must be done. Uh, that is true. Oh, it's... It is at the coal's casket. Whoa. Ah, bug. Cr crow's cask, not casket. Crack? Yikes. Oh, I... <laughs> the crow's, the crow's <laughs> casket. <laughs> it is now. Uh. Let me tell you, that, that funeral's gonna be a crow's casket. Funeral. Oh, 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 nice one. <laughs> Scrum! <laughs> Damn, even in sad moments... V's fucking pulling punts and shit. Oh. 
Little Papa's got no chill. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh... Paul's cask. <laughs> there you go. There, there's the proper one for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just an annoyed crow's cask. <laughs> Now, while at the crow's cask, I do have a couple other things that need taking care of, including figuring out what these two beauties are. He'll pull out a, a couple bottles of liquid that he is currently clueless about. Oh, wow, yeah, those have been... that was a while back. Long, long time ago. All right. So, I guess, uh, yeah, you guys trudge off. You head up towards the crow's cask. Let me see, where is it? Yeah, it's just, like, a block away. Oh, no, Crow's Cask is far. Oh, wait, it's I'm in, thinking like, of Yenya's Maris, never mind. Yeah, it's it's in, like, the center of town. So, you trudge off, and you make your way. Borwin, your back hurts, and your head hurts, and stomach hurts. But, yeah, some food will probably do you good. Rowan, you, you've got youth on your side, you feel... Uh, a little bit shitty, but you know, uh, uh, some some breakfast and uh, some coffee, and, and you'll be good as good as new. Right as rain. You're under thirty. You'll be fine. <laughs> so you arrive outside of the crow's cask. Who's gonna go in first? Not V. <laughs> uh, Bor Borwin uh, kind of lazily walks in, still looks back, looks inside, and just. Continues. <laughs> Find us a table, Borwin. I will go to the bar and speak with the proprietor. <sighs> Finding a table is pretty easy. It's only a couple of people in here. This is uh, not an establishment known for its food, but you can get food here. Ruth and Borwin will uh, immediately take a seat and just slump onto the table. Oh, yeah. You almost miss. You almost miss the chair. Like, you're feeling it. You're feeling it. Behind the bar stands Magaloy. She's a Tengu woman, which means that she's kind of like a crow person. She's standing there, messing around with some stuff on the counter. A bunch of different things that she's looking at, and rubbing her lower part of her beak with her hand, and, you know, poses her hand forward, thinks, shakes it off, goes back to thinking. Gestures towards the other one. Um, uh, hmm. uh, pardon me, good madam, if I could borrow a moment of your time. Sure, door's open. Gwilym will sidle up to the bar and sit down, kind of doing a half-on, half-off thing with the stool. And, uh, rummaging in his sack, he'll pull out two very different-looking bottles and say, Well, I heard you might be the one who could identify these beauties for me, please. What are what's the numbers on there? Uh, A15 is the location. A uh, I have a, a viscous orange liquid and a viscous black liquid with silver flecks that stay stationary when I jiggle the bottle. All right. At that point, Jack. Jack. <laughs> no, Jack. No! Must be there. Bro. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Back from the dead, I think. <laughs> Had to oh, make you, his work shift. Oh, you kid, you left me all alone up there. <laughs> Rowan would then probably follow behind and sit next to Borwin. All right, sorry, I was looking up, uh, trying to figure out how much uh, she would charge for this kind of service. So she says, I can tell you what they are for five silver. Mm hmm. 
That is agreeable. Gullum will hand over one gold piece. Alright. She scrutinizes it for a moment, and then rummages through and, and provides you with a proper change. Five silver comes back. She begins to test the liquids. As she's distracted, V will slowly kind of creep in, very reluctantly. It's pretty easy to do. You're shorter than the bar, so you can get by <laughs> without anybody really noticing. <laughs> People are like, how did that chair just move on its own? Oh, wait. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, full, in full intent of stealth with absolutely no need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like... You're like high stepping it, knees in the air, hands out to your side like a friggin' cartoon <laughs> character, and <laughs> nobody even sees you. Uh, so she tells you uh, that the first one is a minor healing potion. The orange one? Yes. The second one is a lesser dark vision elixir. Ooh. Lesser dark vision elixir. Our humies will be able to see. Indeed. <laughs> I can see everything. If Barwin was sober, he'd be happy to hear that. <laughs> oh, sorry. If he, he didn't have a hangover, he'd be happy to see that. Apologies. <laughs> I was going to say, dang, you're drunk and hungover? I was going to say, the way they drink, he probably isn't sober. <laughs> <laughs> it's just lingering. So that dark vision elixir will work for ten minutes, and that healing potion will work, you know, uh, once instantly. So, as Magaloy walks back over, you know, lets me know these things, Gwillem will say, Ah, well, thank you, and quite expeditiously, I might add. I do appreciate it. Now, a bit of other business for you. I'm sorry to say I have a, a bit of news, and it's gnarly. Shaka <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not tubular, not tubular at all. Reaganomics, hearts are gone. <laughs> ah, well, and uh, Gulm's gonna look down to his left at V. She follows your gaze and looks to see V, and immediately you can see the feathers on the back of her head that have turned to gray over the past couple of years, kind of ruffle out. And, uh, without you saying a word, she hangs her head, shaking her head back and forth. Oh, Jack. I am sorry to bring you this bad news. We tried to save him, but... I will not hesitate to say that I would not be here now had Jack not acted so swiftly. He kept us all alive. He seemed a good man. What kind of trouble was he in? Well, hmm, no, no trouble at all. He was assisting us with evaluating and mapping out Gauntlet Keep, you see. What were you doing out there? Did you not see the light from last night's? Did he have something to do with it? No. The keep, that is where the light came from. We were trying to find a way to stop the light, but... There was a monster up there, and he was felled by it. Jack was a good kid. Wait. Stupid, but a good kid. He had a good heart. Just made 
bad choices. We all, of course, make mistakes from time to time. It seems his caught up with him a bit sooner than most. Well, I'm sorry, Magaloy, for this bad news. You were his friends? It is hard to go through such an ordeal with someone and not call them friend after, so... Yes, for my part, he was a friend. She says, Wait here. She disappears into the back room for a moment. And she returns with two things. One's a small bundle wrapped in a blanket. And the other is an unmarked dark brown bottle. She pops the cork from the bottle. And she pours a, a decent sized drink for each of you and herself. And she puts the bundle on the bar. And she says, This was Jax. Here's to him. And she lifts up the, the glass and gestures for the, the two of you over there to come over and share this drink. Borwin, come on. Uh, Borwin not noticing the gesture, but hearing Gwilym's voice. Mm-hmm. Right up there. The, uh, gets up from the table. And makes his way there. Is this a normal sized cup for me? Uh, well, it's it's like a like a rocks glass. Uh, so, um, you got a two handed. Like, I don't know. Never mind. You got a two handed. She give me a shot glass. If she could do it. <laughs> Still two handed, but. <laughs> oh my god! A shot glass in your hand would look like a, a can of beer in the hand of Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> now sitting at the booth. Boren's just going to be staring at the drink for a while. Or up until everybody proceeds to drink. She looks you over, Borwin. I don't... Have you ever been here before? Um, uh, Borwin would have only been there once uh, upon Carmine's request, but he wouldn't really seek this bar out. Okay, so she doesn't really know you then. So, but she looks you over and she goes, Air the warm that bit ya. And, you know, passes you the drink. She can tell immediately that you're in really bad shape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure as a bartender, she can instantly tell when <laughs> someone's had a rough night out. <laughs> Rowan's also clambering up to the bar. And he says, Y'all want me to drink with you? I mean, I never met the man myself. You're about to meet what's left of him, so might as well. Well... To Jack's memory, then. Jack's memory. He lifts up the glass and takes a swig. It goes down smooth. Very smooth. It's kind of sweet. Hmm. It's delightful. What is it, if you don't mind me asking? Rum from the shackles. Oh. This bottle's 32 years old. Hmm. Delicious. Thank you. Thank you kindly. Now, hmm, Barwin, if you don't mind, please, gather up Jakarn's effects. And he'll point to the bundle Magaloy has produced from the back. Uh, Barwin, glossy-eyed, will turn his gaze to the bundle and shakily take it. Magaloy, you would not happen to know if he has any last of kin? Next, next of kin. Last of kin. Man, Bats looks at the tongue tonight. Jeez. <laughs> Do you know if he has any next of kin? 
Not that he spoke of. He had a hard, hard life. Oh, that's, well, thank you for everything. So you guys get a little bit of food. It's, uh, it's not great. You know, it's basically what Magaloy can go cook in the kitchen. You know, it's, uh... Birdseed. I think that's racist. I'm not sure, though. Uh, <laughs> well, that also takes... I was going to say, if she's... Uh, well, we, I, don't, I think eggs are going to be off the table. Dark. But, um... <laughs> she's a crow. The crows eat, like, lots of stuff. Oh, yeah. Crows eat, crows crows eat anything. It's, she serves you a piping, lukewarm plate of carrion. Uh, but uh, it's... Uh, mm, delicious. Ooh, roadkill. But uh, she, she, you know, uh, she cooks up something, uh, some sausages for you guys. Oh, the protein is definitely going to help with a hangover. Mm-hmm. In addition to the drink, because it technically is a uh, temporary solution. <laughs> By the time you guys get the sausages, the man, that rum hits you guys. And, like, you're all like, ooh. <laughs> Borwin just feels uh, a bit better because it's like some quality fucking rum uh, uh, in addition to the, uh, or some quality rum in addition to the uh, to the food. Uh, Borwin feels ten times better than he did when he had the hangover. Oh, yeah. It'll be back. But, oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's enough that you guys, like, after after you uh, go to stand up to leave, each of you are like, whoa, okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it'll settle, it'll settle down pretty quick. So, uh, as we're eating, Gwilm's going to ask the group, Well, we know we need to get Jack's body, but we haven't discussed when or if there's anything we should do before or after. Uh, do, do you know anyone else that Jack might have been talking to? We did not know him for that long, that this is the only time I saw him outside of the keep. It was in the spa. His journal might mention something. Hmm. So, yeah, I will take out and rifle through Jack's journal. You open the journal to the first page. It's dated for 31 days ago. First five. All right, here goes. I've been talking with Rin more and she thinks keeping a journal might help me straighten things out. Get my head sorted so I can get my life sorted as it were. She's been right about everything so far, so I figure, why not? Things have been going pretty well this past year. I was able to find a place to stay and steady work thanks to Magaloy. She's a lot like my mum in a way. She's always given me half-baked advice and thinks she's seen everything on Galarian. But she's trying to help. Well, now it's supposed to help me get sorted. Maybe we're not doing this right. There's a doodle of Magaloy shouting at what must be Jack as he's sweeping with a broom. And you flip on to the next page. Faris 26. Today, Rin told me, We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. And I think I understand what she means. I need to free myself from what's happened so I can move forward. I'm not sure writing down these thoughts is going to do that, but I trust her. The bottom of this page bears a detailed sketch of a human's left hand, and a few less detailed sketches of a barrel and some bottles. You turn to the next page. Gozer and Eight. At the festival last night, Rin told me, We do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experience. 
So I guess I should reflect on how I got here. <laughs> Where do I begin? There's several scribbled out, um, like, wireframes of people sitting around at the crow's cask. And you flip to the next page. Goes were an eight. <laughs> Again. So the fish cakes at the current safe celebration remind me of the first time I took something that wasn't mine. I was only seven years old. My mom just lost a lot of coin again and we didn't have anything to eat. So I filched a pie from my market stall. <laughs> I remember setting it on the table before she got home and how hard it was to wait for her without sneaking a bite after three days of that meal. I think she knew how I got the thing, but she didn't say anything. It never became a habit or something I enjoyed. It was just necessity sometimes. This page has a detailed drawing of one of the fish cakes from the festival an almost lifelike depiction of a feather. You turn the page over again. Now this next page is written in a heavier hand than usual, almost like Jack was attacking the page with a pencil. Goes in 14. <sighs> I had the pleasure of meeting the captain of the guard. The old bastard was there when I got thrown into the sewer to rot in Epsilon. Things were starting to shape up, and this bitter old fool comes into my workplace, my home, and calls me a thief. He grabbed me by the wrist like a child, and he threatened to put me back in the brine. How much do I have to endure for trying to help people? Eight years of my life, and that waterlogged hell wasn't enough? I'll never help another soul as long as I live. The last ten words are underlined with a single, harsh stroke. There's no drawings this time. You turn another page. Goes in 15. It's funny. The same night I vowed never to go out of my way to help someone, Rin brought up a concern about some old ruins in a swamp nearby. True to form, I volunteered to go out there and look at it for her. She's done so much for me. She's the only person I could talk to without fear or hesitation. She's the first person I can really trust. So I agreed to go out there without any reluctance. I'm supposed to meet three others out there in nine days. I trust her, but I can't shake this feeling. It's so similar to the situation that landed me in the brine. <laughs> this one's going to be different, though. I've got a good feeling about this. The bottom of this page is dominated by a half-finished sketch of Rin. Starting from her clavicle and ending at the tip of her horn. She's looking upwards and to the right. Her form is framed out, but there's more focus on her neck, lips, and eyes. These things are in full detail. Looks like Jack never got a chance to go back and finish this one. So you continue on to the next page. Goes in 16. Sky was crystal clear tonight. It was beautiful. <laughs> I used to look up at the stars when I was a lad, and I wondered if there was somewhere else out there. Some place that was different from Absalom. Different from Galarian. Lying there, under the stars, I thought about the eight years that I spent without seeing the night sky. <laughs> you never truly appreciate something until it's taken from you. Rin and I spent a long time talking about the cosmic caravan and free will versus predetermination. 
Rin read my horoscope. First time since we met that night. It said, Friends old and new will determine redemption or doom. Why are these things always so cryptic? I guess the stars are saying that the way we treat each other determines who we are? At least, that's what I can make of it. Jack's doodled several constellations into the margin here. He's also gone over the horoscope multiple times to bolden its appearance. You move on to the next page. Gozer in 20. Magaloy keeps saying, Life is an arrow, Jack. You know, I think I finally get it. I think she was talking about following the path towards end. But I think she might be telling me that we need to be pulled backwards first before you can move forward. Once I'm done with this fight before Rin, I think I'll track down Orns myself and find out what the hell's happened. Why would he send me to the wrong place? Did he know something was going to happen? I have to find out so I can move forward. Once that's out of the way, I'm going to tell Rin how I feel. She deserves to know. And maybe, maybe I deserve to tell her. At the top of the page, Jack's drawn a stick figure firing a bow, and there's a more detailed sketch of an arrow at the bottom. And there's also a recipe for shortbread scrawled at the corner of the page. You flip the page, and the next one's blank. Same goes for the next few that you try. You give the thing a riffle through the remaining pages, and something catches your eye in the back of the book. The final few pages contain some notes that are a little bit less um, linear than what you've seen so far. It's more like a, a list of facts or maybe uh, reminders. You read those. There's one page with names at the top, each underlined, with a list below it. It says Hilda Solverby. Underneath, quick light touch. Friendly. Talks a lot. Met once before Eastgate job. Lost track after a Maki hit guard. Spent six months in the brine for picking pockets. It says Maki Silver Palm. Underneath, it says Tough. Tattoo of dwarven woman on left forearm. Demon head on chest. And silver coins and palms. Quick to anger. Didn't speak during planning of E.G. job. Chose to attack Watchmen. Rumored to be in coastal town, working with Ocelot Club. It says Orens. Set up E.G. job to pay off Regulus. Told me where to find Vaz. Never went in. Rumored to have told me different meetup than others. Rumored to be in the precipice in Absalom. On the opposite page, there's a rough sketch of a floor plan for a two-story house. It's got arrows and X's and question marks on it, as well as the name Aloysius Cedric Barnes IV. There's nothing else really in there. Next question is, how much of this does Gwilym say out loud? Yeah, I was going to say after Gwilym peruses this, he'll look up after reading some of the important pages about how Jack feels. Uh, you know, like how he's being set up, these different people and their roles in his life. Um, you know, like you said, their connections. 
and how Jack was trying to piece things together and discover what was really going on. Uh, Gwilym's going to close the book and say, mm -hmm. Well, that's just one more case that's gone cold. Everybody around you's like, yeah. what, 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 what does that mean? What are you even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping. Well, what did you find in there? Quite a lot, actually, as one might imagine you'd find in someone's personal ramblings. He caught himself in quite a fix back in Absalom, and he was tracking his old past back here to Otari. Hmm. So if his... Does that mean he has connections in Absalom? Are those people we should try to reach out to? It, uh... I don't know if he has anything or anyone back there anymore. The only connection I can find would be at the Osprey Club here in Otari. Are you familiar? I would not say so. Same. I have no idea what that is. Well, Rowan, if you haven't had a meeting in the Osprey Club yet, you may find yourself uh, richer for it. You see... They would swindle the coin from anyone. Hmm. Mm. So it seems Jack had less savoy dealings. So, like, was he a criminal? But reformed? Now, now, kid. One thing you should learn is not everyone good is all good, and not everyone bad is all bad. Hmm. Well, it puts a lot to ponder on my plate there. Even if he had done bad things in the past, as you said, he helped us in the end. Yes, yes, he did, and and by his own admission, it seems, in his journal here, his helpfulness has gotten him in trouble more than once. And of course, here, it was his doom. Well, we're alive, so... He lived through his actions, through his kindness. That's something that we can never repay. There is one thing I can do. When I publish my medical works, I will add Jakarn's name as a thank you on the first page. <laughs> oh my god. Uh... Special shout out to my Patreon. Alright. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Jack gets to be the first person on the credits. I'm going to announce his name first. <laughs> the Duke of Crows. <laughs> Jack something. I forgot his last name. But it doesn't matter. He's dead. So, uh, <laughs> Jack Scorn. Dedicated to human like number 35. <laughs> <laughs> Played tree on the left. All right, so uh, after you guys finish eating and bundle up Jack's meager belongings, what's... What's next for you, uh, happy sunshine, fun time adventurers? Rowan's actually probably looking at V, because he noticed that, just from like the first time he's met her, she's been acting differently to him. Like, like he's not too sure like what to say, especially since like he's never seen a puppet before. Yeah, you're just you're just but it's playing, like, she you're definitely playing it cool, like it's not weird. But you're all like, yeah. "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. 
<laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, just like, how you guys don't you guys say anything about that, this right? <laughs> It's like that you moment in Iron Man 2 when right? Don Cheadle appears and says something like, It's me, I'm here, let's move on. <laughs> 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 Pretty much. If anything, I, I feel like it would only be uh, based off of V's notoriety in, in the town. I think it would only be myself, or it would be Borwin, Willem, and and then the shop or the uh, the barkeep that would be treating V in any kind of normal capacity. Like they wouldn't be looking at V in any kind of weird stares. It's just like, oh, it's V. Versus everybody else would be <laughs> like, what the fuck is it a poppet? <laughs> well, to be fair, like Magaloy has seen a lot of weird shit. Like out of out of all of the people that live in this town. Like, Magaloy has probably seen the most weird shit. Not shit. Magaloy used to be a fucking pirate, dude. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, a pirate bartender? You're gonna see some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. So, to answer your question, Adam, I suggested we go and inform Rin of Jack's demise. Alright, so you guys finish up and head north to Rin's Wonders. Did you want to say something, Greg, or did we just cut you off? Oh, it's just kind of like, like, he would just notice that, like, ever since, like, we returned back to town, you've been really, like, crestfallen, I guess? Yeah, okay. Barwin will like to observe something. Um, how? What does V have on on her back? Uh, on her back? Yes. What does, what does she have, like, on her You said that she had, like, a... Are you talking about, like, the, the tourniquet thing? Yeah, so it's a tourniquet, but like, is it like oh. a? No, not tourniquet. No, no, or, no, or no. A stretch- like she has a, a stretcher. Sorry. Henry is carrying a stretcher. <laughs> oh, Henry's carrying it. Okay. Well, I was gonna say it. It would be super fucking odd because I I didn't hear that right in the beginning. I was like, I just imagine like V with this giant fucking stretch just walking around like if it's like a coffin. <laughs> oh god, like like Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> But but if like well even even head looking at Henry carrying uh, the stretcher yeah, would be weird. It's but... a little it's a little awkward on him, but he, he makes do. Uh, I, I I could just imagine uh, Henry having difficulty entering through doors. <laughs> but, Pretty much, yeah. Like a dog with a big stage. We look at the entrance of the bar, and you just see Henry like trying to get in and trying to like maneuver it, and then like when, once he thinks he has it crashes back into his like because like the stretcher's like sideways mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a dog carrying a bone or like those videos of like dutch hounds with like really big sticks <laughs> but borwin would be trying to pay attention to how much rope uh was kind of present oh i have a rope um i have a rope as well but okay because he could see that henry has a stretcher but which which answers one of his questions that he had in his head, but the other is, how are we going to bring him down? So if if you guys if you guys work together at a very slow and cautious rate, you can get him down. Okay. Yeah. The, the issue, issue was that we were that, trying to rush. Yes, and like it it was something that like if you guys go in there and you spend an hour, you'll be able to do it. Okay. We just didn't have an hour. Because he, he he was thinking with his like brute strength, not really with his head of just going taking it slow. Because he doesn't want to inconvenience anybody else. So that's Borwin's idea, but he hasn't really said that yet. So it's partially part of the reason why he wants to bring Rowan. You there, guy? You want to do some <laughs> manual labor carrying a corpse for me? 
<laughs> Boy, how to do, however. <laughs> he got a shot of whiskey out of it. He can deal with it. Uh, but So this is how Borman's going to approach it. Uh, v, I, uh, I noticed Henry has a stretcher with a pan to Henry trying to get through the door. Shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how do we plan on bringing him down? Are we going to just walk on those stairs with him on a stretcher? I, I think that would be the easiest way. Those stairs were rickety, but if we go slow, I think we will be able to go that way. I'll spot you. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's all I'm going to be able to do. It, it's a trap door. We're not going to be able to four-person the body through it. Like, we got to slide his legs through to someone who's already down underneath. We'll have to tie him on there so he doesn't slide off. Question, Adam. Yeah. Has Rowan ever been to Gauntlet before, or at least know of it? Fuck no. No? Okay. Fuck no. Okay, I didn't think so. That's why I double-check. Y- y- you may have heard... The like the nursery rhyme. You may not have because I mean you're from far enough outside of town that hey, you know what you've probably heard the nursery rhyme about it. Okay, I was going to say Ron went on a family vacation with his parents and they had a great time at the beach, but that works too. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably hear some kids singing it as we go up north to Rin's tent. Yeah, yeah, you probably picked that up on the way there. Okay, so I'd probably be standing next to uh, Borwin then, or marching with, or walking with him rather. Jack is going to try. Uh, Jack, God damn it! No. <laughs> <laughs> Rowan is again. going. I know. <laughs> Rowan's going to try and get Borwin's attention. Hey, uh, Borwin, mind hmm. if I ask you a question? Well, what's the question? Uh, our little friend there. What is she? He is, uh, is a puppet. I'm not trying to be ignorant or anything, but like, I have never seen anything like her before. I mean, she's cool and all. I just didn't know what to really make of it at the time. I was like, now that it's like, you know, skeletons are gone and alcohol's kind of gone through my system. And now I'm kind of like seeing everything through, like, you know, Sober eyes, and it's just like, oh, there's a walking doll next to us. Thought when I sobered up, she disappeared. Oh, <laughs> these definitely something different, but she has more compassion than I've seen other people have. So, mm. we'll definitely say she is good company. Hey, it's cool with me. And Bowen just nods and continues hard. And so, you leave the Crow's Cask. You turn left onto Wyvern Street, left again onto Shrike, which turns into Osprey Street once it heads north along the Osprey River. It's a quiet morning in Otari. Most of the townsfolk are either attending services at the library or with their loved ones after last night's... uh, traumatic events. Even after such an obscene thing, such a profane, supernatural occurrence, the sun and the sea still favor this island. It's beautiful. Every time you notice the heat of the day, a 
perfect breeze rolls through to keep you from feeling it. The gulls fly playfully over the docks to the south, calling out to each other as if all was perfect in the world. Foot traffic is light. In fact, the only person you see out and about is Ali Mora Inkelholtz. She crosses your path as you get to Elvashti Street. Morwin and Gwillem both recognize the half-elf woman, who offers a polite nod and a friendly smile as she goes by. She briefly locks eyes with Borwin. Her smile takes on a, a hint of sadness. Alimora Inkleholtz is the owner of Whistledown Cutters, one of Otari's three largest lumber companies, and is well known for donating funds to improve Otari's educational services. She pays to maintain one of the very few classrooms in Otari. And for those of you with any interest in politics, there has been a lot of rumor of Ali Mora running for mayor next year. Now, if she does, she'll be the first real contender that Osif Menhemis will have faced in almost 30 years. Anyhow, as you all continue north, another soothing breeze rolls by and inspires the familiar song of the myriad wind chimes of Rin's Wonders to accompany the gentle voice of the Osprey River. The familiar fake standing stones and collection of tented displays comes into view as you round the bend. And we're just about out of time for tonight, so we're going to stop here, and we'll pick up with Rin next week. Thanks for playing, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week.